We respectfully acknowledge the past, present, and emerging traditional owners of the land of the indigenous people, the traditional custodians of the land where this podcast is recorded, and pay respects to their culture and identity, which has been bound up with the land and sea for generations. Yans and Vibes. My name is Dami and I've got my guys in the studio here with me, chilling. Um, can you guys introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, hello, guys. Um, I go by the name of Queen of Saints so my name is Harry Aiden, but uh, I use a lot of Aiden TK. That's why I'm done completely. And definitely, I'm down here in Hobart. Yeah. And I'm from Rwanda, originally from Rwanda, but born and raised in Uganda. Lived there for over 25 years. Yeah, now I'm here in Australia. Awesome, TK. I, I was going to save the best for the last, which was you, but um, you just beat me to it. So I'll let the other guys go. So Kenny and Buddy, you guys should pick up now. <laughs> feel like I'm the only one here. <laughs> You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone! Hi everyone! This is Kenny. Timing in. You're not the only one here, Dami. But you know, <laughs> you are the. How do they say? It? I'm the first but, lady of the. the first lady. Five. So, so you hold the key to the kingdom. So, Ooh, you, you, okay. you are you are the one controlling the board. Me, I have songs for every statement you make. Actually, uh, key to the kingdom, Beyonce. Yeah. I, no, no, not that one. The one of, for Tiwa Savage. Yeah, now that's the Beyonce yeah. track now. Oh, really? And, uh, and uh, was it the uh, what's this guy's name now? Mr. Easy, have you? Uh, I don't, I don't recall. But... You got a key to the kingdom. Oh no, you're singing it's another song. You got the key to the city. That's the one I was thinking about. But it's ah, okay. key to the city. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> about that one. <laughs> All right, all good. Um, so I've got Buddy. Um, what's that Buddy's AK? Buddy, can you help me out here? AK, because AK, 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 um, so this is Bade Becky Bello, aka the sexy tiger, aka the big tiger, you know, the sexy, the sexy tiger. My, my, my wife recently called me the sexy black tiger, she put the black in all caps, you know. So, whoever wants that information, do it, do it, do it, what you like. Um, that is going to be our. Our leader today, as as Devor said, and I should go spare us. And TK, I hope you follow Dami's lead and enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so uh, guys, I was ju- I was just in a quiet room, but I think my was in the car, my car. Oh sweet, yeah. I know I am. It's fine, quiet, but she might come up running. So let me just bump in my car outside, like in a second. 
Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. I just don't want to be disturbed. Yeah. All right. I'm you watching it. Does that, you guys? It's Victor here. You know how we do. Yep. Ten seconds. Damn, how have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, I've been not good. I've um, Victor, I haven't been good. Do you want to help out? Definitely, if I can. Why haven't you? 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 Why I haven't been outside. I'm coming. The lockdown always does affect me differently. Um, I feel like every time we have it, it comes with a different kind of emotion, and it feels like I've never had lockdown before. Every time it's different. Plus, I also have like other issues going on with me even before the lockdown. So it's just like made, made things worse. So anytime anyone asks me, how am I doing? I, I'll just I'll try to say I'm not good. I'm not going to be like, I'm fine. You should, you should take this. No one is 100% good. But as long as you are, you're healthy, that's all that matters. I don't think I'm healthy. <clears throat> oh, yeah. All right, guys. Now I'm in my car. Let's roll. Okay. So we'll just go back to TikTok. I think we're done with Victor, yeah? Victor, yeah. introduce yourself. Okay, all good. So TK, um, earlier, um, earlier on, I was just talking about how I was feeling with the whole lockdown situation. Um, um, I live, I live, I don't have my family here in Australia, but I have got a couple of friends. But um, I know that it does hit people differently. But I just wanted you to introduce yourself. I know you've mentioned that you were born in Rwanda, but I'd like to hear more from you. I want to know like how your journey has been. And you did mention like you've been living somewhere for like twenty years. I'm just curious. Yeah. How old are you? Yeah, <laughs> how old are you? Oh. And then just talk talk me through like that that transition from. Rwanda to um to Australia. Ah yes. Uh, yeah. So um uh, just uh correcting you, I was I was not born in Rwanda. I was born in Uganda. Oh right. So, okay. Yeah. So that's oh, where okay. I that's where I live all my life. Um, not precisely all, but up to 26, 26 years there. Um, oh. with all my entire family and everyone else. As I would say, um, as we are one, we um uh we are one of, you know like like the reason why um, we are like the third generation but third generation in the third i would say yeah, third generation in rwanda in uganda because my ma my parents were all born in uganda no uh uganda and tanzania respectively so that's how we found ourselves being born in uganda and uh, at the time uh that was that was um because uh, uh, prior to that, I would say that uh, my grandparents were uh, like the first civil. There was the civil war in Rwanda in uh, in 1959. That um, that uh, led the likes of Kagame and the rest. Uh, I don't like that guy. And and settle in um and settle in um in thingy in uh, in Uganda. So. Uh, <laughs> During that time in '59, that's where our grandparents left and moved in Tanzania, and then like like nomad, 
looking for greener pastures then because they were cattle keepers and then settled in uganda in um in the western part of uganda in a place called Barara, in a refugee camp wow that refugee camp is still there up to now oh so, wow uh, but uh because my parents were born in early 60s so it's 60 my mom is born in 62. so in that uh so up because uh yeah in 60 so those ones moved in uganda around the, the early 60s like in the 60s was from they left rwanda in 59 had one year in tanzania then moved in around the late of 60 early 61 moved to uganda that's where my mom was born and uh, then my dad was already born in tanzania at the time so okay. <laughs> So, I feel like I know a little bit about your family now. I know everything. <laughs> brief, so, brief history about TK's family. So when did you move to Melbourne? Did you move alone uh, or family? I actually I moved to Australia about five and a half years ago. Oh, okay. And, um, I came um, interesting because um, um, my wife has been living in Australia for nearly 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, so we met uh, in Rwanda uh, in, uh, sorry, in 2009, because I moved in Rwanda in, after, uni, after graduating from uni in, 20, in 2006, six around there. So you're asking me about my age. I was born in 1982. So this year I'm turning 39. Oh, okay, you don't look a day older than 29, bro. Really? <laughs> Far out, okay, you do not um, Shit. I'll be starting on this year. So I, would I wish we could have like a video platform so we could see your face. Oh, I'll send you a picture of Black Dog Crack. Tiki would give us a picture for us to post anyway. So I'll send you a picture. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I moved in, uh, in uh, 2015, early 2015, there. Yeah, around there. And then um, in August, around in July, around July, August, it was winter. And uh, yeah, uh, so I met my wife uh, in 2009 in, um, in Rwanda, definitely. I did, during that time, uh, I learned to settle in Rwanda because it was so, it was so hard for me because they were, it, it was French. It was a French-speaking nation at the time. Uh, everything was in, in Rwanda. French. Mm. Yeah. And then I came there, here I am, can't speak the language, can't speak French. I only speak English, but I understood my language. I couldn't speak it, but I understood my language. And then uh, trying to settle in, because I moved there in 2007. Yeah, I said 2006, because 2006, I went down there, I visited, came back. Uh, I think I applied for a job into around December there. I couldn't be yeah. there. Then I came back to Uganda, because I was working in Uganda. Because when I by the time I graduated from uni, I was really working in Uganda. Oh, so was, why, what inspired the move to Rwanda, though? So, uh, so uh moving to rwanda was very, it was i just wanted to change uh, just wanted to know my roots man i just wanted to know uh where where do i really uh where, what's my origin how does it look like because here you are you're born in another country and uh you you why you're born because i was born in kampala oh wow so, so why you're born in the country you live among ugandans and you you think you're ugandan definitely because when you're young when all of you are young you look the same like you can't you know, a child is a child yeah. but uh uh 
they, there's name calling, you know, for us, they used to name call us anyway. They used to name call you, uh, but um, because you're young, you don't, don't even care, you know? Uh, you, and you're like, it's, part, it's like the order of the day. They call you names, but then you also, uh, you also um, have, other, have your way around to defend yourself. And then um, uh, I used to, so because I talked about the refugee camp, so we used to go there when we were growing up to go visit our grandparents. That was before 1994 genocide. So we used to go there. And then we thought, we thought, oh, we never knew it was a refugee camp, actually, because um, it's a community. You live in a community. You know, you're going to the village. The life, the, the, the life in the village is different from the life in the city. So ah, uh, like, all right. I, so we, it didn't click. It, it didn't occur to us that we were actually going to a refugee camp. We thought we were just going to the village with other people. And then there, there you are, you speak the Western language, the Lianquare language. You, mm-hmm. you eat, like, because you keep going there oftenly, you learn the language. And then when you come down in Kampala, you speak Luganda because actually that's like my first language because I was born in the language. So I speak that language better than actually the Ugandan. So, and then here you speak another language because at the time I was speaking about three languages during that time. Wow. But the thing is, you're with Ugandans, they, they use stereotypes, they use some more like discriminative though, but not in a bad way because these are kids uh, you're growing up with. But other people, they just know, oh, those kids, those kids, those kids, uh, uh, kids to the lady, the tall lady, the lady, the tall brown lady, uh, you know, things like that. They used to find a way of this, uh, differentiating us from other kids. But uh, other than that, we had a good, you know, growing up was good, you know, living among Uganda. Uganda was good at the time, you know. Hmm. Right now, things are different. So we started their uh, nursery, primary school, university, even between there, say getting jobs, you're working here and there, you know, like hustling, like in a city, you gotta get a job and survive, you know, you need some money. Went through, I went to boarding schools in different parts of Uganda. Uh, went to the west, started in the east. That's why I was saying I was speaking about three languages at the time, you know. And then after graduating from university in 2006, I, I was like, okay, I think I need to know this country. But taking it a little bit back to know. Where I got to know that we were actually Rwandans, because at the first we thought we were Ugandans. And even if your parents speak to you, you just think the language they're using is just like any other language. Mm. You know, you, you don't ask questions or oh, why. You, you, it sounds like, like similar to the one, to the Western language that we're speaking. They're like, mm-hmm. ah, that's one of another language. And then our aunties come, you know, they're speaking. So for us, we used to mix languages. But in 1994, during the genocide, at the, at yeah. the beginning of the genocide, uh, in, it was around uh, around uh, April, April, first week of April, two weeks. The, I saw my my, my parent, my mom, because I again I didn't grow up with my father, so I saw my um mom, mom and the sisters, and they are crying. I'm like, okay, well, like, what's going on? Why are you guys crying? And they're like, ah, so and so has been killed. Our aunt. So the auntie, so we knew the aunt because she was there in our holidays. Then in January, she chooses to go back to Rwanda. Then in wow. April, she gets killed. So, and, and then that's so when you're like, was oh, she, actually. Was she Tutsi or? Yeah, Tutsi. 
Mm. So she was just, you know, the genocide, you know, killed. And then that's when, like, we're like, ah, so actually we are Rwandans. Ah. Then you get to know, it's, again, like Rwanda, we think like Rwanda is a country which is very, very far away from where you are. <laughs> we didn't know there was just a, a, a country next door. And then, um, you know, fast forward to that. So now you know, it's now I discover, you discover yourself, you're actually Rwandan. So now mm. you start uh, to know other people, you know, although not so many. And then it just, just stops there. Because not even these other people are using other languages. So the language wasn't that popular. But, you know, now you know that you're growing up, you know, now I'm a Rwandan, actually. I am a Rwandan. Finished primary school, go to secondary. You know, you're now a, a Rwandan. But then in 2006, that's when I was like, okay. In fact, my first time to come to Rwanda was in 2002. Uh, in, was in 2001 when my mom was transferred to uh, out of Kampala, out of Uganda, to come and work in Rwanda. You know, that current change all of a sudden. Uh, and then I like, okay. I visited once. I didn't like it. Went back. And then I went back. Uh, then after a couple of years, in 2006, graduated. And I okay, I think it's high time I go check out this country. Try to know the country, understand it, know my roots, know my origin. Then that's when okay, I think I need to change of scenery, change of environment. And then that's when I moved. I visited. Then in 2007, when I got a job, I because my mom rang me, rang home. You come. They want you to start working. Then in 2007, straight direct to an NGO, and a USID. I was working with USID, the United States. You know, I started working there. Started as an intern, and then I got a job doing social work. And then I wasn't speaking the language at all. No, mate, just English. And then slowly by slowly, I'm learning. It was so hard, really hard. Like you're, you're looking at these people, they use only one language. There's no any other language. It's that language. It's either that or French. And it's French is for those who are really, who are really educated. So when, sorry, TK, um, when did um, England take over from France? English take over from, uh, you mean uh, to, to start speaking English? Yeah. Uh, so that was in 20, 2010. Oh, wow. Was that, was, that, was that recent? It sounds really recent. Like, yeah. where? Because <laughs> it's very recent. Uh, so Whoa. in 2010, so what happened is that, because uh, during that, it was actually, because you see, I moved in 2007. Yeah. And because of the friend, because I, I lucky enough, the NGO that I worked for, the American NGO, they are, uh, they employed me and they gave me what we CDs, instant immersion CDs that had French and English to learn French actually. Oh, okay. And then I, what I did, I switched off to anything else. I put those CDs on. And it took me about six months. In six months, I was already starting to to attend conferences. And I don't need I don't need to be translated. I could I had started to read manuals. Uh, uh, you know, in French or, yes. or in Kirwanda? In, in French, Kinyarwanda, not yet. In French. Uh, so, come on, Slapper. Ah, the only thing Buddy knows. I'm very sorry. Je m'appelle TK. Et quoi? Ah, come on, Dami, come on, help so, me out here. Come on. Yeah, so, it's where he says, and you. And you. Mm. So, 
moved on like that in, uh, and then by the end of 20 by the end of 20 2007 mid 2008 i started i actually started having a conversation in french because i was i i i chose friends who speak french work french reading materials going to conferences because the people i was working with were just francophones they don't know any other language apart from apart from french and kenya rwanda and then uh the question when to when i started speaking in Rwanda was a very funny way i went out <laughs> there's a woman with my mom so i went out <laughs> then came back in the morning on a saturday morning mm-hmm. my mom had gone to the market so no so when i woke up because i came back in the morning around you know the night you know slept so when i woke up with a hangover around uh, 10 a.m i couldn't find my mom she had gone to the market there was a house, a house help. Never communicated with that guy for all the time. I used not to communicate with him because I don't know the language. Man, everything turned around. <laughs> I like, I need to speak this language. No, 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 no. In the next six months, I was speaking the language. It's funny how when we are like faced with like a very critical situation, that's when yeah. our brain kind of forces us to like powerful just yeah powerful so that alone taught me that you can learn anything if really you want to you know how old were you then though sorry to backtrack so how old i was was i at that point when you you picked up that language in six months no because if i graduated from university around uh, 25 24 Mm -hmm. 25 about about 28 Maybe you're just good with languages, though, because I can't even try to learn another language. (laughs) But on a scale of one to ten, how difficult was it to learn? Yeah. Because language defines difficulty. Yeah. So uh, uh, I found French difficult uh, because making around that because I understood it, though I didn't understand 100%, but I understood. And I could speak, I think, two few words. So to learn it, all I needed was to unpack it start speaking what I know, what people say, I pick it. Because I knew I knew I knew how to I knew how to, you know, I could when someone communicated to me, I could understand. But to respond was uh, was really hard. And then I had to pick mm. it up. Uh, for French, for French, I started listening to anything French. From music to news to documentaries to reading things. And I'm telling you within one year. I was in the intermediate. The thing about learning languages is um, that a lot of people don't know it. If you really, really, um, if you're really determined to learn the language, you are gonna learn it. Like mm-hmm. when I was in when I was in China, and there was no other way to communicate, you had to learn how to speak Mandarin. You were in China. But how's your Mandarin now? Can My Mandarin you? is very rough right now because I haven't spoken it very exactly. long. Exactly. Like if you don't. Yeah, I was. I was mm-hmm. for a couple of years. Oh, Do you speak wow. French? Sorry? Yeah, I can but uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm asking Kenny. Kenny, Kenny is is half Nigerian, half Benin Republic. So Kenny, the, you speak... Benin Republic is a country, but Benin is what you say. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm not Benin Noan or whatever it is. Oh, no, 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 no. But they cannot say that. They cannot just erase the Benin. How do you say it, Kenny? Benin Noan. You cannot just erase them because you don't know them. Come on. No, I said, I said, I, 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 don't, I, I don't speak the language, I wouldn't know. 
Nah, it's not about speaking language now. It's just like saying Australian, American, and stuff. Okay, let me ask you a quick question. People from Burkina Faso, what are they called? Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso. Burkina Burkina Bibs. Yeah. Oh, man. That's the football, football team. Now. Like, that's the football team now. Eh? That's the football team now. No. Check now. They are called Burkina Bay. Burkina Bay. You said Burkina Bay, buddy. That's the name of the football team. <laughs> what the hell is Burkina Bay? A little bit of current affairs. What's the capital of Burkina Bay? Um, I, I, hold on. Wagadougou. Wagadougou. Yes, that's correct. All right. Okay. So we, <laughs> that was a nice digression. <laughs> but, yeah. that, um, thank you for, for teaching us a bit of, of African history. Yeah, actually, TK, I found I found what you were saying really, really interesting. But what I'm even more curious to find out, I think most people listening would want to know, because of this background you've given us, very rich information about how you've transitioned countries and and how you've been treated as a child in those countries and how you've had to like learn languages. When you moved to Australia in 2015, how was that like that um, change moving to a Western country? Did so, you uh, yeah yeah so when I'm so interesting so all along during that period when I was now working <clears throat> I was really I really wanted to go and study, do a master's degree outside. And I was helping friends like to complete all those applications and then they get their, some are lucky, they get, because they used to, uh, they used to, in Holland, there was no fix, something of that sort. People used to go there and, you know, do some master's. I, I tried to apply that to some friends and most of them, at least with five of them, I applied for three of them were able to get a master's and go study. Then when I did it for myself, it couldn't, it couldn't work. And then I tried to Google all these countries and uh, I mean, I don't know. And by during that time, Australia, it never occurred to me, Australia. Then lucky enough, so in, because now, now here I am, I'm in a relationship with my wife, she lives in Australia. Now I know Australia, but I'm not interested in studying in Australia because I didn't know much about Australia. And then, apart from home and away. And then... Um, <laughs> What was Omane away? What was Omane away? That was the movie. This guy, um, Wolverine guy. I'm sorry, I don't know. Please, I don't know. The TV show here. I used to know that TV show back home in Uganda when we were growing up. Uh, when I was still like uh, eight, seven, seven years, they used to show that they used to, uh, uh, you know, have that TV show on the local TVs there. Ah, Omane away. Yes, Omane away. I think it's still going on now. Okay. Is it? I understand it's still going on, but I'm surprised that it's showing in Africa. That's what I'm surprised about. He used oh, to. Man, those days, Ugandans know it. He used to. So, yeah, so in between hmm. there, and then uh, I started developing interest. Now, I need to go to Australia. But in which way? What's the best possible way to go to Australia? Because um, I was like, oh, I love this. And now, so I started Googling about the country. Like, oh, okay, it's where she lives. She lives in uh, whatever it was Brisbane at the time, and then, then, uh, then as I'm applying for, then I looked for schools. Mm. 
I, the schools that come to my mind are like University of Darwin. I even don't know where Darwin is. I just Google things. And then I tried all those applications I could get, but what I was getting, they could give me 75% scholarship. Each time they put me on a, a waiting list and then send me regrets. They give me 80%. Uh, like I can't afford the other training, man. I, where am I going to get all the dollars? Then fast forward, then I was like, okay, now I know Australia, it's a good country. Luckily enough, I got into the University of Sydney. Can you imagine? I got, I got a scholarship at the University of Sydney. And then, and then, but that's the same period that now my wife, my wife used to come a lot in, uh, in Rwanda. So, we, you know, every year she used to come, every year, every year. And then again, of course, definitely, then we got married. And then uh, two years later, we got married. And then maybe, because uh, I already got a scholarship, then we got married. Things just came real quick. I got a scholarship in 20, 2014, to, at the beginning of 2014, got a scholarship. Then we got married in August of 2014. 2015, I was here. Then, because then I came. So, but my coming here, I didn't come on the on the spa, on the visa, on the, the partner visa. I came on a student visa because I was given a scholarship, ticket, scholarship, and everything. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, when I get here, they give me the visa. Because you see, 2014, I was supposed to start uh, uh, my in September. October around there. That's when university used to start, you know. I don't know. Yeah, so we are in the second we're in the I was supposed to start in uh, the academic year, I think in 2014 at the beginning. So, but they were but I was required to be here so I can orientation and things like that. You know, mm. like okay, so easy. Why not? Then I went to Sydney. But <laughs> half in around uh, March. They gave me the, the partners. <laughs> I can't imagine. So now I'm now caught between the, the scholarship, then this, and then I I had then I had to try. We had to try. I kept my scholarship because I I was studying, and then I had to move. I had to move my visa to student, to partner. You you get what I mean? Yeah. So now it, so now I was full on a spouse visa. But then I kept studying. Then, uh, then um, three months later, because I was in Sydney for three months. Then I visited this place because they were living here, uh, but I was there studying. Then I, I, I came to visit once, twice. Then I like, you know what? Because I was planning, she comes and we stay together up there. But then when I visit this area, like, man, I think I love this place. So but, you, you really prefer Obert, Obert yes. to Sydney? Yes. Oh my God, you won in a million. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, have my, I have my reason. Why? Why? Reason number one. Here I am. I'm born. I'm born in a in a in a, a city which is crowded with lots of people and you know busy busy things going on. And then I come to live in Sydney and it, I get to live Campbelltown, somewhere very far. It takes about one hour, or whatever, drive to the city or something of like that. A lot of people and everything. It didn't click for me. Hmm. down i was here and then when i start so in october so that was now in 2015 i'm already here moved down here and yeah i was here 
like continue to study, but then I stopped, you know, like no need of studying any anymore at the time. Like I already have my, I'm already allowed to do what I want. I can work. Uh, I have right to work. I can everything. I'll put that on hold. So now work, you know, and then, uh, so lucky enough, you know, I think I was just lucky. These are just the chances. I just jump online. I see the, the you know, I, you know, IWF holdings, you know, so financial institution. Mm, it's even here. It's in, it's all over countrywide. IWF uh, holdings. They do things of spanuation and things like that. So it's more like a financial institution. So I jump online. They're looking for job. People to, I think, like people, you know, like when someone goes, they go for maternity leave all the away, mm. and they want someone to temps. They're looking for temps just to clear out the backlog and stuff like that. They needed, yeah. I think, about four people. I apply and go into an interview. It's trying. I got a job in there. I was the only Af African in that whole organization. <laughs> Isn't that like, I feel like every every African I've spoken to always tell me that, like, is it that they are the only ones that the previous one was leaving before they came in? How did that make you feel though? Like, man, it was, uh... let me, there's one funny moment. I went to photocopy my, um, I think I was wanted to photocopy some documents in the city, up in Davis Street, and then I entered the show. Uh, entered the the guy's place. Then I say, "Good afternoon." Uh. They looked at me <laughs> like she was not understanding. I was like, "You've just moved here. <laughs> this here, you are you in a state which is at that time. Right now, we have so many Africans, bro. We have so many." <laughs> We used to you used to spend like one one two weeks, you know, and you don't. I used to work in the city here in Hobart, on Liverpool Street. One week, two weeks, don't see any African on the street. And you still the, go Hobart to Sydney. You're the only one, but you know, you're like, no, Sydney. <laughs> it's, it's all, I'm not coming for you, TK. I'm just trying to understand why you prefer Hobart to Sydney. I think the uniqueness and the fact. Tell that, it. Uh, Tell Hobart to me. To me, that was the way. The uniqueness, you know, like the uniqueness of uh, waking up in the morning, you turn up to work, mm. and everyone is keen to know who is this guy, who is uh, like, you know, you can read that on the face, but really, I don't care. Like turn up, I sit <laughs> on my workstation, do my work, five, off, go home. But of course, you're interacting, and by then, oh god, like because when you like. Some people, you know, it really beats my understanding. Because at the time, it used to beat my understanding where you try to communicate, communicate with people, and some will understand what you're saying, and others pretend not to understand what you're saying. They still do it right now. But then you don't give a damn, though. But it's been five years. It's been a lot of twists in how I pronounce words clearly. Because here I am, I, was, I know Kampala, they speak in Uganda, it's English. That was a good tick for me, having come from an English-speaking country. That was very good. Imagine if you had come from a country that doesn't speak English and you land here. Trouble. <laughs> you it's going to take you about two years Wait. to get a decent job. So if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly, yeah? Mm. Um, did you have to change the way you pronounce things? Mm -hmm. Do you have to consciously put it I, in I your had head? To, learn to, to speak the word correctly. What do you, you mean correctly? I mean? so like, like pronounce... Because you see, 
we are from different countries, right? Mm -hmm. So, but, but me having studied in, uh, in Uganda in Kampala, or especially in Kampala, the central region, they have the 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 Bagandas who speak their language, the local language. So that language affects the English how you speak, you pronounce some word. Mm. Where you go, you're gonna have to say correction and you say collection. Someone oh, yeah. will understand what you're saying. Yep. Yep. You get yep. what I mean? Yeah, gotcha. So, you know, so, so probably, um, even moving to Rwanda and everything of that sort of culture, you know, shocks and changing, and you know, you get to learn a lot of things. So, here I had to learn how to speak, be able to pronounce the word the right way. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. someone can understand what you're trying to say. Not changing the accent, but speaking the right words in the right way. Mm. But you know that sometimes your pronunciation mm. differs, obviously, American English, British English, and here. Hey! So, <laughs> I've had so, this argument with someone. So you try to, you try to, uh, you, 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 you don't change the whole accent to start speaking like Hawajas or you start speaking like this guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> You no, because to... I actually had this argument with someone, yeah, and they told me that, like, you say, because Americans pronounce a certain word differently from the way the English would pronounce the word, they mean that they also sometimes might pronounce something in an American way, and that might not be clear to Australian. But then another person in that same space, when we we're having that conversation, was saying that, no, it's not about, it's not about the accent, it's not about where that, that, that English accent is coming from, it's about the, the the phonetics like the mm. the sound the way you pronounce certain words is supposed to be similar across all english speaking countries but because we are from a country in africa that we are probably influenced by the local language sometimes you might pronounce some things that would be influenced by how you were obviously brought up or what language you were initially used to but American English in British English, Canadian English, whatever kind of English, it should still be clear to someone else who speaks English. So yeah, but look at, for example, Americans one. always roll the R's, or whatever, or you know, so but other English speakers don't do that. So, yeah, some but then, as well. But then they will be confused when they speak, though. They won't what? say what you just say. They will hear that correctly. Yeah. Okay. So, me, what I was trying to say exactly, it's not whether it's American or British, but it's about um, uh, to eliminate uh, uh, the influence of another uh, local vernacular, like your language, mm. from you so that people can understand, people around you can understand mm -hmm. speaking the right words. That yeah. was my whole argument. So, but uh, that was challenge number one. Another thing is, um, of course, getting a job. I did my three months there, finished, and then. Um, after that, they're like, now what? What's next, bro? Because you know, he again. Here we come from Africa with professionals. I was a social worker, you know, trained social worker with the, this experience and uh, and having worked in different areas, different mm -hmm. types of people. Uh, I thought I could get that same job here, or not like same job, but that skill mm -hmm. management thing, and yeah. you know. But here, one thing I learned is that you need to make people trust you to, to give you a job. That's the number one thing. But how are you going to do it? How are you going to do that beautiful job you want to do? You know, <clears throat> you need to find ways. Uh, ways from, you're not going to, when you knock today, you're not going to get that job. 
as a fresher in this country, as a newbie who is trying to integrate in a new culture, you got, you had to, you got you had to try out different jobs, open other doors, get that experience because people yeah, they want their references. They're not gonna pick a reference from Africa. Although I was lucky, they, <laughs> my former boss from Africa uh, uh, gave a reference for me. But uh, when here you need to uh, to build trust, network with people around here so that they can give can get a good reference. It's not about your papers or whatever. It's about uh, how you relate to the community to get that job. But uh, we as migrants that come here, we, it becomes really hard for us to get into those jobs because first of all, ah, this is daddy. Oh, he's, a, he's an engineer. No, I think uh, they can go, they're gonna give it to their own people because especially if it's a, a, a Tasmanian setting or Hobart to be precise, most businesses that are pro, like a most, most skilled, skilled, businesses or more um uh how do you call it you know those those kind of jobs which are more uh, uh like a professionals yeah professional mm -hmm. jobs most of them are family oriented are family business oh right i see yeah like <laughs> so you you need to take your skills to a larger organization that 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 employs more than a hundred people because they're not gonna get a hundred people in their family to give jobs you get what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that's the truth of that's the truth. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You you gotta take you 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 got to look for a bigger organization and then go for mm -hmm. that because with that, although they may gonna have their bosses and their uh, sisters who are managers, at least you're gonna be able to work somewhere. But uh, <clears throat> after that job, what I did, I I went, uh, I got a, I got into, uh, I volunteered actually. I, I wanted to give my time. I volunteered because I needed to get something that's gonna, uh, something that I'm, I'm gonna get a reference. I already have the first reference there, but then I need to create experience working with people around me. And then I went, I worked with the Campa Australia, uh, so after school care provider. I did about, I think, um, about um, eight eight months there. But in between there, I, I um. I, I did what? I, I went back to, I did a certificate um, in disability because I wanted to move away from that, then move to disability. And then potentially after disability, I can now climb the, climb the ladder to set up a profession that I want to do. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. So, so that's what I did. And then nine months later, then I end up, I got a certificate, then I joined disability. I'm in disability right now. I work with Victor. But in between there, I've also went back to units when I'm graduating, I think in October. And then I can, now I can, I can go for something that I want. Here, there's not going to be an excuse. Mm. You, you have these four or five years of experience working in a community, you networked, you have, this is what these people want. That's one thing that I learned. It's something they want. And then you have the papers and then you go compete. Yeah. If you're lucky, you get it. At mm. least you know. They're gonna give you an opportunity if you've uh, structured your resume well. They're mm. gonna give you an opportunity to turn up for an interview. You know, yeah. Either you're gonna be one out of the <laughs> five cowards, and then you're gonna pray to God that you get it. For which, if you do what you perform well, you're gonna get it. It's on merit. Or they're not gonna give you. So rule of thumb, I refuse to apply to small businesses. Okay, point number one from TK. 
yeah. refuse to apply to if you're in Obat, refuse to apply to small businesses. Okay. <laughs> they are all family because they are all family business. I'm taking notes down actually. Okay. Uh, that's from my end. Yeah. <laughs> because they are all family oriented, mm-hmm. most of them. They're like father, son, daughter working, and a yeah. few of other cousins or friends of their daughters. So there's no way you're gonna penetrate and get a job there. You can only try, but it's not. But if you go for bigger organizations, that's my understanding. Yeah. Then a bigger organization will definitely find a place for you if you really fit for that job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's my understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it does work. Although you gotta keep going. Okay. One door closes, open another one. And if it fails, try another professional. The one thing I learned when I go here, like this is the land where you can start, you can be another, you can choose another profession you never dreamt of. Yeah. People come here, become nurses. When in their life, they never thought to be nurses. You know, mm-hmm. they come here, they start, they, they, you know, they become mental health practitioners. They become, uh, you know, in, in their past life, enough, they never thought they're going to do this. Or in other, they, they thought they're going to be accountants. True. They thought they're going to be uh, engineers. And you have to be flexible and open to that changes. You got to be open-minded. Yeah. Because I met someone who actually did come from Nigeria, who was an engineer like for five years in Nigeria. And he came here and he started H care. I don't know why I struggle pronouncing it. He started H care. Which factors oh. coming out, babe? <laughs> Excuse me, please. I'm not, I'm not from the right. I'm not British. I'm not Are you British. British? Exactly. Are you British? No, no, I'm not. Okay, so <laughs> so he came here and he was like, "How? I'm an engineer in Nigeria. How would I come here and be doing this work?" I was like, dude, calm down. Everyone was something before they came here. Okay? Like, just chill. It is what it is. Don't stress too much. Last, last, they go do all right. As in, it is what it is. But then I told him that the focus is, like, try to know where you're going to. Like, if you really want to continue to be an engineer, just put yourself in that, like, line. Put yourself in that position to get there. Don't just sit here doing this HK job and keep complaining. I kid you not, guys still do it HK. It's almost okay. like no? oh, right. all right. You, you can or rather you can just get yourself ready for that. It's not like you're gonna get an engineer job straight away. If you can mm-hmm. be open minded for another job, do that. As you still have your target in mind, who knows? Maybe four years from now you, you're gonna get your engineer job, but you need to be ready for that job. Yeah, so they require they get tired with the whole waiting. Oh, make I just be where I did and live like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's frustrating, yeah. So I know someone uh, back from uh, Uganda. There was a lawyer, practicing lawyer. Came here. Mm. Lives, I lived up in Melbourne. Trust me, couldn't get a job in law, in being a lawyer. Yeah, it's different here. The, the, the rules and, are going to be different. So I guess yeah. he has to study again. And then he ended up in the community work. He picked interest in something else. Now he's a registered nurse. Um, so you see what I'm trying to mm-hmm. where where I'm I'm coming from. Yeah. What I'm trying to say that sometimes this they can't. One thing Australia is a country that can that's gonna give you an opportunity to start anything else. I mean, 
they it doesn't matter at what age yeah so in our last in our last episode with the person that we uh, had a chat with as well he was a um a migration agent and he's he's now doubling into building you know mm. he said he said the same thing that australia is somewhere that you can come and you become something totally different than what you yeah, have yeah so mm. i can understand I mean, that. i'm trying to be a dj so you guys should watch out <laughs> oh yeah come on you can do you the good thing with us are with us as migrants um we are we've seen life honestly i'm sorry to say this but i think we've been there we've seen nothing gonna knock you down all you have to do is uh uh just keep going you know you 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 already by the time you you set your foot to come here you didn't come here to just sit and you know you first of all most of you are have masters and phds and things like that that time you're putting in there to do that means it's resilience that's being resilient that's that's dr dami are talking to there you know and then which means anything can anything that comes your way you can do it doesn't matter but with our people here uh, sorry to say that most of them they i would say they are lazy Mm. yeah yeah uh, they're lazy then they just does something and say this day like set they will just set up for that and then but for us we are ambitious here i am i want to be a case work again but i'm i'm seeing i'm gonna get there i can see that i'm about to get there you know at least i've done a couple of interviews i'm just waiting to reply whether i've gone through or not but to get there i know where i've started so which means down the line i'm going to um my I'll end up doing what I was doing when I was back in Africa. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's yeah, my passion. It's my passion. But having a passion, this this is something you you want to do. But before you reach there, what are you doing in between there? You can juggle so many things that potentially either you can choose to be in one line. If you want to be an engineer, you can be a trade, great trade job down here. Do something in trade do that because it's in the line of engineering and then as you keep your focus on the price because you know i, I yeah. just know i'm in the i'm in the construction industry i'm a trader but my target is five years away from now i should be now doing the engineering job mm, yeah, right. i really did like you you choose another path but still it's going to lead you to where you want to go because it's it's not easy to go direct here because you've knocked on doors no one wants to give you an accounting job but you're certified. You have all those CPAs, whatever. You have this whole experience. Accounts receivables, account papers, you're so good. And then someone from Norway and India and from somewhere or somewhere has done masters and whatever, we're gonna get a job. So you what are you doing? Maybe go masters, get the masters. <laughs> you know, yeah. Get a mark, go upgrade. Yeah. Upgrade volunteer somewhere your hours as an accountant you know who knows maybe through that you're gonna get that job but in between there you might be working doing another you've ventured into something else of interest and even if five or ten six years from now you could be doing two jobs here you're an accountant but you're at the same time um uh, let's say another professional somewhere that's a good thing about australia you can do anything you want yeah. yeah there's so many opportunities uh, but um tasmania is the the very 
a very tricky place. So, uh, um, so, so those so many years, like those five years ago and stuff, you know, if you're very like me, me, what I did uh, to get all those the jobs and the current job that I'm doing, I just knocked, went and knocked. So this is it. I need to do this. And then it's up to them to say, leave your resume here. I work in Mosaic. Uh, uh, the body knows it. I just yeah. saw an ad, I just saw something. I went and dropped my resume at the office. Oh, so you, you did know. the actual like going around like print yeah. resume. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I but have I nothing to lose. <laughs> I didn't have no. nothing to lose. No, no, I also got my first job as well. Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah, you have to walk in and drop your CV. Yeah. Because I didn't do what. I mean, you yeah, saved them a stress. In Melbourne, that, in to look at your in right? Melbourne that, that shit don't work, though. Email one that it doesn't work. See, you don't, you don't, no, 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 I'm free this number of hours. I just went into all the offices because most of them were on, on the same street anyway. So I just went into all the big all the big ones and then all the smaller ones and one of the big ones called me. Hmm. So most cases, you're like, so long as, um, first of all, you have nothing to lose. The good thing about Hobart is very small. You can drive around to like over 10 organizations in, a, in an area of five kilometers. You have kilometer radius or 10 kilometers, hmm. you know? But yeah, like you have not totally nothing to lose at all. You have nothing to lose as long as you tick all the boxes. You like the rest? It's up to you. you. Give me the job, or you don't give me. I still move on. I keep going. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think that's it. All but apart from that, it's uh, <laughs> this place, this place, and you know, it's a very funny place to be in anyway. Especially when we are we Africans used to seeing our fellow African faces. And then you, you, right now it's good because there are so many. Yeah. But, uh, five uh, years ago, even more, like I said, two weeks you're walking on the street in the city mm-hmm. and you can't see no one. The extent that when you see someone in um, uh, uh, about 100 meters away, that person is going to nod their head. Like your acknowledgement. I've seen yeah, you. That's, 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 that's the black note. That's the black, no, that, uh, what was it called? That's the black, the black sign or the black something. Mm. There's something that they call it. Yeah, um, uh, it's the nod. Yeah. The nod. Is it the nod or the smile? No, the nod. Just the nod. For boys, generally, it's the nod. It's just the nod. Like, like, I, I, see, I see you, bro. I see you. I, see you. I, I don't yeah. know who came up with that shit. Like, it's just universal. All black people. Is that, maybe there's a, there's a word for it. No. But like, Different um, black people, different parts of the world are talking about the experiences and that yeah. one common, like everybody, you send that black person somewhere. It you don't know the person, you just nod. But I keep, I'm keeping moving. But uh, I think oh, yeah. that, that works here. That works here in Australia. But if you're in an environment where there's so many Africans, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just well, researched it well, now. In Canada, people still do that uh, in Canada, though. It's actually yeah. a thing. The nod is a subtle lowering of the head you give to another black person in an Pre- openly white acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah, yeah because you, you need black people in that. Yeah, you know, like what you said. If we're all black people, then why am I not there? 
Yeah. That means like, that means like, oh yeah, all those notes I've been receiving all these years. That's so this is what it means. I didn't know. Do you honestly? Sometimes they not, they not. Sometimes they smell, smile. But that's the Kawaja smile. Oh, they're the ones put on a plastic face. What sorry? What do you think the note was for? I don't know. Like, what's wrong with your head? Did I say anything? No, 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 no. I didn't say you said anything. You just nod back. No, honestly, I didn't know that it was a thing. This is my first time I'm hearing that. So you didn't nod back, Dami? I wouldn't nod, but I'll just be looking at you like not nodding back is acting to someone saying hi to you, like yeah. hi dummy, and you just ignore the person. Well, but because I don't know the nod culture, it's actually what, a thing. You know, it's in your DNA. No, it's an African thing. No, no one touch you, you just know. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm actually Googling wow. it now, and there's a thing called the nod. I know before there was so, Google, there so was already Anna, the nod. The note was Australian just... I use that a lot. African migrant, uh, African Australians. I've seen that a lot. When you see your mate somewhere far away, as long as they, whether they, I, of course, eye contact will come through and then you say, like saying, "Good day, mate." You walk away. You just I've seen your mate. Yeah. Um, okay. And I'll then it's now. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I appreciate. Come back. <laughs> I don't believe you. You didn't notice. I didn't know it. I swear. Wow. I, I would lie though. Like I didn't so I know that people try to not that not, you know. I don't I didn't I don't get I'm, I'm not even looking like if you can't open your mouth to say hey, I am not I'm not gonna read any other expression. If you oh, say wow. hey, then hi, and then I'll pass. But if you're not in your head, I'll just be like So if someone if you're coming up this direction and I see you, I'll nod my head or smile mm. a bit. Yeah, yeah. That I've seen you, and then if I you smile, away. that's fine. But if you know that, I'm like, what's wrong with your head? Because okay, it's not it works. Because imagine you're in is you know New York crowded streets. You don't have to be saying hey. Your voice will get. And then you don't have to say hey. Just keep it moving. Why are we no, saying? No, that's the point. That's a that's the point. But you need to acknowledge you that you know I see you. You know whatever you are going through. You know stay strong. Stay strong. We did. We did together. You know I went to get dinner. I went out to get dinner because we had the mask on. I saw like a black lady walking facing me. Yeah. And she just looked at me right in my my eyes. I was looking at her too. Looky, looky, looky. We just passed each other. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. I really you guys didn't say nothing to each other. Not even no, because I don't. If, if because she she was wearing a mask, so even if she tried to smile, I wouldn't know. If she said tried to say hello, I wouldn't hear. But See, like, you know what comes in, yeah, you don't have to talk. Like, you don't have to say anything. Just keep it moving. Maybe look at each other. Just nod down and keep it moving. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, my my Tasmania experience is um, and I, I guess um, I have this mentality of saying uh, Melbourne is loud, so. I can just jump on a flight, go check on my mates, and come back because when last all, been, when, when last you got when last did you do that in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah. That, that was um before COVID because I I I, ah. I went to, like because last it's been COVID all last year, but in 2019 I went there. Then I came mm. back. I went straight to Rwanda. Like I came back, spent one week, then I left for Rwanda. But uh, Victor knows I've been to Brisbane a few day, uh, I think a month ago. 
Sydney, that uh, more in Sydney, only that because of this COVID thing. Jump on the flight, go see the boys, so my family come back. Just so everyone has time in the weekend, but you have to let them know a bit early that I'll be coming. Because mm. even if I'm stay, I'm staying there. No one has time to see in weekdays. They're all, you know, hustling. Easy. So yeah. if I wanna go check on them and say, yo, you know what? I'll be coming through this weekend. All right. Then I come on a Friday. Then we, mm. you know, we chill the weekend. Then I jump on my flight back to Hobart. You know, my you know what, TK? I feel like I need to, in terms of family and like raising a family here, I would like to like hear more maybe in another like episode because you did mention you have a kid. Yeah, I have a daughter. You have a daughter. She's so, four. yeah. Mm. So it would be, it would be nice. To, what do you guys think? It would be nice to hear what TK has to say about like raising a child in this um, environment. Yeah, no, he can, TK, you can start telling us that now though, TK. Yeah, okay, so, uh, um, 2018, that's, that's when I had my daughter, which is three, halfway, you know, by the end of this, I should be three and a half. Next year, May, should be four. So, uh, what can I say? Here, everything, Australia kids, especially when they're growing up, everything works out by automatic, you know? It just works out by itself, you know? It's, you just have to be there. And right now, I haven't really done much because the hardest part is coming whereby you need to be in their act do activities with them a lot i just started yeah. swimming and stuff like that so uh, it's oh. really good it's really good it's nice it's really nice no problem with that kids everything you know raising here a child is very uh when they're growing everything is straightforward if you're having a healthy child that's good you know mm. things just work out themselves you know like that i wouldn't say really much about that i, I would say it's really straightforward uh, okay. you don't you don't do much about it you just you just the same way you you your home what you eat what your daughter eats or your son will eat or whatever but anyway when it comes to parenting maybe there mm -hmm. uh, my wife doesn't work at the moment so she stays home with my daughter mm -hmm. oh, okay. and then i go that to work for you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah so oh. if we are both working mm -hmm. then then that way, juggling and, you know, what do you call them, uh, daycares and stuff like that. Yeah, I heard that is too expensive, but uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm rested a pain, even if I'm getting <laughs> almost 60, yeah. 60 percent So you might as well, uh, if, um, I think when you're, uh, if you're working, yeah. two jobs or one job, two jobs, even if it's one job, I would recommend, uh, uh, for example, like the mother who is just, you know, having a child mm. to just mm. stay home for that about two years, you know. Mm. With it. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. it's good. two or three yeah. years. You're not talking yeah. to me, sorry. I just left this group chat. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, no, that's my recommendation. No, 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 but can the man stay at home for two years? <laughs> if the man stay at home and then the woman goes to work. Yeah. No, but you remember, remember what you're doing. You're taking care of your little one. So... If I'm bring if it's not it's not about who is who is who in the fight, it's about working out together. You take you take it you take it because that's what actually that's why the Australian government is pushing. That's what it's pushing. You know you know they would they would rather uh, uh, recommend that you stay home, take care of the child, and taking the child to the uh, daycare. That's what the Australian government is doing. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, because you know that visa called the parent visa, the mm -hmm. yeah. grand or whatever. Yeah. When your parents come here, yeah, they're supposed they put that visa there strictly that you if that's if both of you are working, 
okay. your mom would stay home, take care of your child. child. That's it. No working. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to work unless they do hand. Uh, how do you call them? Cash in hand jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, other than that, if you're both uh, like parents, if mom decides, or if I choose to, for example, if I choose to stay home mm-hmm. and the woman works, as long as I stay with the kid. But most of the time, because the mother had just given birth to a child, they would take that parenting leave off, yeah. maybe three yeah. months, or depending how they want mm-hmm. to go. They can even go for one year. Time mm-hmm. here, it doesn't matter. One year, two years, they still trying to go back to work, depending what you want to do. So people, that's why the Australian government is pushing. You stay home, you take care of your child, we will pay you. You know, they will pay you. They will pay you for staying home, for taking care of your child. Sounds very attractive. Like I'm like, should I just look for the next man that is ready to just? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that, that is ready to drop. So because picture picture this. You have a child. You, you take them to child care or uh, daycare. You pay about a hundred dollars in um, depending how many times. If it's every day, you're gonna cough a lot of money. Probably in a fortnight might about five hundred dollars so you know oh, oh, that's, uh, if, if you go every day in a fortnight you pay, you pay like 750 bro if you go yes. every day yeah like 750 that's someone's salary for a fortnight yep yeah so why don't you stay home instead of giving that money to those people and then you know be with the child for one year maybe two years you know and then you, know, when you, you guys can make it work see so you can make it work yeah see myself now what what we're doing is my wife works um, three days a week, mm. and I work uh, six days a week. So, really? yeah. So, I, <laughs> the income that she makes in those three days is enough for for her for us to pay. Um, what's it called? For us to pay <laughs> child childcare, and then there's still a lot more. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? That's just a brief a brief estimate. You know, there's still there's still a, like there's still a lot more. So it just depends on how you guys work it out. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. And uh, for us, we do shift work a lot. Uh, when you're doing shift work a lot, if if your wife does doing shift work, you can work it around that way. Yeah. When I'm at work, I stay home with my child. When I when you go to work, I stay home like that. You yeah. Because this this that's where these uh, kawajas here. That's what they do. They, mm. they so what do you call it? I know Muzungu. I was going to say I know Muzungu. Yes. No, Muzungu is more of uh, the African Kenyan. way of the Muzungu is an African, it's Swahili word to me now. It's a Bantu Swahili word to me. You yeah. know, of course, to me that. But the Tasmanian slang is called Kawaja. Tasmanian? I didn't know that. If you say it, anyone, hmm. they, they, any African will know. Oh, right. Okay. So I've been using that a lot. So, so hmm. that's. Uh, if there's an African there who will be listening, we'll say, okay, this is what it means. But no one else will tell, you know. Yeah. So, they li- so what I was saying for them, they they design their working uh, schedule around their children. Some, you know, they w- they'll be rushing. Oh, I need to take my child. You know, I need to rush so that my husband goes to work. I stay with the child. You know, things like that. So I feel like like uh, what Buddy said is just working it around. Mm. Yeah. Or you can take six months off, relax, or, you know. And again, it comes down to the needs. If you have so much, you're paying bills, you know, you're here, you are maybe you're studying, you're doing, you know, sometimes, you know. I know people who 
like uh, one month the kid is one month or whatever and they're back to work and they just you know it's about how people uh, um design their working uh working uh, schedule all right other than that it's pretty straightforward and good so i don't okay. find it hard mm-hmm. nice kenny do we still have time uh, i think we've run out of time a bit okay yep. All right. Thank you very much, TK, for like. You, it was a pleasure. I mean, I enjoy. I, 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 I really, I enjoyed this. Yeah, and like I'm sure everyone does. Like, um, really took something out of what you've said. Um, very rich. You have a very rich experience, especially yeah. from. Um, I, would, I didn't even. I didn't really even get to skipping genocide uh but i guess yeah. we could talk about that some other time because that, oh, yeah, that would be a long uh, that, that can be an episode on its own like now and to... now and even up now we still have we still live with that so. oh wow wow yeah so i think i was gonna say it's always a very very thorchy subject for, for and traumatic minutes. as well you don't yeah. want to ma- the mark of apple is always terrible so especially that if my 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 wife's family personally wow. i wasn't there when it was when the genocide it was you know going on i think i would be i'll be dead by now wow. mm. so but uh, my wife's family definitely they they went through that so but wow. even that i even me i got the i got the impact because it affected everything my yeah. family everyone else all finished like just like you know, like going back to run and you, you, they're telling, oh, you know, like there are very few. But now, because those that were living in neighboring countries of Tanzania, uh, Burundi, the Congo, Uganda, Kenya, we moved back to Rwanda. Why? So, and then move, people moved back after genocide. You know, people mm-hmm. moved back to settle, to, like the same way I went there, you know, mm-hmm. settle, start a new life. You know, like the Rwanda, most people that are in Rwanda right now, they all came from outside they all came in after 94. those were in rwanda at 94 100 percent about about um maybe two percent survived mm-hmm. finished so have you yeah, have you ever been to the have you ever been to the uh the genocide uh museum the one in yeah yeah several the times in, the memorial in kigali yeah, in the memorial. god yeah it was so it was so it was so vivid there were still skulls there. There were still slits, machetes, machetes. There were still um, blood-stained clothes. Like it was, it is quite vivid, and there was so much documentation and, and explanation. And you, it's some, somewhere you'd want to visit, but you just need to like go in. You need the strong. Uh, yeah, you need to go in. If you're, because... if you're frail, like if your heart is frail, or yeah, you go and in there. in there you realize that what they've actually told us is not even half of what happened. Like I'm telling you, you realize so much. I know how they're, they're saying, um, what's it called? Um, Hitler did the highest genocide, bro. Mm. They ran about, about what about three million people died in Rwanda? Or two, two million people died in Rwanda. So, so God. the statistics they have in record that they recorded in '94, they talked about about 800 people died, 800,000 people died people. in the clips of 100 days. But let me tell you something. It was more a million, like uh, one million people perished in a one million plus. Because even now they're still updating the numbers. Perished in a period of a hundred days. Wow. Like completely cleansing. Like imagine, uh, husband and wife, 
killing each other. Uh, husband is Hutu, wife is Tusi. We mm. have you have kids, and then husband says, you know what? Uh, kills the wife, and the kids said, I'll marry another woman, and then I have other kids. Oh, we wow. don't want we don't want you to uh, pollute our blood. So see how uh, the French uh, oh. police of divide and rule really killed killed us. Mm. Like, and uh, over what? Over what? Rwanda was living well in nineteen in during the fifties, you know. But after, uh, but when German, because German, the German uh, colonized Rwanda in nineteen sixty, I think sixty one there, sixty two, and then they 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 transferred power because when they colonized Rwanda, transferred, they transferred power to the Berigians. But when they colonized power, they took. Uh, it was uh, so you know by then it was about the kingship it was in um, mona was uganda rwanda in Burundi was one country called the rwanda Urundi was one yeah and then when the germans colonized the country the king who was not, by then was a tusi mm-hmm. he split uh he he was uh, they, they made him of course continue to be the king but and then uh he was because these social classes are like if you did a bit of history european history they're like yeah. uh, uh, during the uh, period of King Louis the Sixteenth, nineteen fifty-nine, in nineteen in seventeen, eighteen, if I remember very well, where you had the bourgeoisie, the the clergies and the nobilities and stuff like that. So yeah, social yeah. classes. The so during uh, the bourgeoisie or bourgeois, yeah, yeah. So during uh, the Rwanda social classes, Hutus, Tutsis, and Twa, these are social classes. Mm. Uh, the so the Tutsis are meant to be uh, cattle. Cattle, cattle, the rare, the rare cattle. Mm, okay. And then the Hutus are supposed to be farmers. And then the Tours, uh, people would do uh, crafts, you know, they, and they're the minority of zero point something. Okay. You know, they, they live in the forest and, you know, you know, they live, they're pygmies, you know, they live up there. So the Germans, here they are, they colonize the country. The country is fine. Everyone knows their class. You can work hard and move away from one social class to the other. You can work and live the work hard. Then when the king rewards you, can reward you, and you become a toast, you join the toast social class. If you're a toast and you're not doing well, and you're, you know, then you go down. Things like that. It was more like a social class. Then when these Germans transferred past the belligerents who were, who were also working with the French, they introduced what we call a divide and rule, mm. whereby they went down to the roads and started telling people, why are you tall? Why is, why is body tall and thick and short? Why is this one dark and this one light-skinned? Why do you have a, a sharp nose? Why do you have a big nose? Why, you, why, why, don't you, why can't you have cattle? Why are, you, why are you supposed to be a farmer? Think, you know, they went into the mind, the ideology, they polluted. Mm. And then you know what happened? German. When the German transferred past the Belgians, the Belgians did what they call double standards. So they they changed the leadership. They gave it to the Hutus. Wow. They turned them up and down, and then the policy started going in. The ideology grew. Lots lots of uh, uh you know social. Now they um it was really terrible. In took that in classes in in schools separated the Hutu the Tutsis did everything you know no Tutsi was supposed to go past standard three past um, senior three from three you know you're supposed wow. to that's where that's your highest uh level of education 
And then wow. they kept on going mm. like that, like that, and again, civil war started killing people in there, you know. So who, who started killing the Tutsis or the, or the Hutus? So the Hutus, because mm. they've been told this information, now the German, the the the, the French empowers them. Mm. Then, you know, they try to do all those small small things, um, imprison them, you know, all those funny funny things. But it was on a low low at the time. It kept on growing. The hatred grew, and then you had presidents there. About two presidents there. Then you got the late Happy Arimana, who was killed uh, in who whose death impacted the genocide apparently. But genocide was already there. It was already mm. planned. It was going to happen anyway. They only needed a, a reason to do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, and things went on like that. Killed everyone else. Perished. You know, kids. Whatever. I think is that one of the reasons why Tintin. They, there's a there's this big hate for for anything French. There's a yes. big hate so, for anything French. So what, I lost my dad to that to that hate. Yeah. So French. Now where does the, so French there is so Rwanda change. Yeah, we really because the French people are very useless people. So <laughs> very useless people. So but they give they us want, croissant. They give us Sorry? what? Croissant. croissant. So those guys, so they, they, they refuse to acknowledge the things they did. Take you care. Know? Yes? I'm getting like a echo coming from here. A call coming? Echo. echo. It's better ah, now. Yeah. It's better now. Yeah. yeah. So these these French are very useless. They refused to acknowledge what they did, and mm. they kept on, you know, creating all those stupid excuses and hatred. And then, but lucky enough, because Rwanda is located in the central, the central of Africa, like it's really small country there. In the, didn't have a belonging. On the west, you have DRC Congo. In the south, you have Tanzania, and again, you know, and then in the north, you have Uganda, and you know. And Burundi around there, so they needed a belonging. Here you have Kagame who come who came from Uganda, and these people, you know, they, they saved they saved Rwandans, they rebuilt mm. the country. And but and the then, problem uh, is, I'm sorry, mm. I'm speaking against your leader, but the problem is, he's he has he's been, I don't want to say a dictator in a very subtle way. No, mm. so he and, is anyway. He is, and anyway, he's turned the country to, into a police country. I feel like. Yeah. It, it's good and bad because the country might be on the cusp of an, another something because you can feel that there's that, that mild unsettled. So Rwanda, this this is what Rwanda is. If you do, if Rwandans, if we do not uh, handle them with a uh, and uh, that that iron hand things like that, they yeah. will do what they did before. Mm. So. It is very good that it's using that to drive, drive Rwanda the right direction. We, of course, holding other factors constant. So Rwanda, it, it is what it is, man. If you, like what you just said, anything can happen if, if you don't handle the country. Because here you are, still the Hutus are many. And there are so many out there who are spreading hate and, you know, talking they are ready to do whatever they want they did anyway but uh we are lucky that the new generation under uh, kagami they're trying to create that um, change their mindset 
and then try to live together. Anyways, so let's, not about, let's not talk about politics anymore. Let's just let's, know, okay. let's, <laughs> let's, let's, move, let's move, so, move out of that space. But he's saying yeah. that men, Rwandan girls, got they've got the big forehead and the big booty. Like I feel like that. <laughs> That's the signature of all Ladies and gentlemen, I think this is where we cut it off. You see the big forehead and this is where we cut it. This is where we cut it. You see the big booty black joining us. What? What? Can you cut that part out, please? Yeah, I just wanted to wrap things up. Thank you very much, CK, for for coming in and hanging out with us at Yan and by Preeb. It was nice to hear from you as well. Yeah, it was a pleasure. We will. Um, we have something really interesting up on the next episode. I hope you guys can join us. Um, mm. talk to you guys later. You guys can sign out. Me, I'm out. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you, TK, for coming. Pleasure, Bye, guys. <laughs> All right, this is Buddy Becky Bello stepping out, the sexy black tiger. Peace. <laughs> All right, peace, guys.